Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt Trumpets. Hello, Matt. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Uh, if you can, if you think that melting in the middle of your shed is doing well. Yeah, I'm getting to the point at the shed now where I have to keep it closed and protected from the sun. The second you open the shed door, the heat wafts in and you cook. So I hope you're staying safe out there. We do have a hot week ahead in Europe. So that, that should be interesting for the German Grand Prix, Matt. If it's hot in Germany, that might swing the performance back to the Ferraris. Uh, if it's hot, I actually, I think Mercedes, but we shall see. Now, we haven't asked for iTunes reviews for a while. In fact, I had kind of forgotten about them. iTunes makes it very difficult to check reviews outside of your own country. But I did take the time to sit and find some reviews from around the world. And we have had some lovely reviews that are pertinent to the topics we're going to be talking about today. So there's one five-star review. Thank you very much for that. That says, tires, tires, always more tires. One of my favourite F1 podcasts. One of? I didn't read that when I first vetted this. The hosts are great and they have a lively panel for each episode. Well, and and that's no different this episode. And we are going to be talking tyres as well, Matt, aren't we? Because careful what you wish for. People have been complaining about the Pirelli tyres and we're going to look at what life will be like without these high degradation tyres. There's another iTunes review. Sorry, that first one was from Drastic Explorer in the United States. Then we have one from Hothand78, also in the US, that says, Finally, an intelligent F1 podcast. Agree? Disagree? All perspectives are considered. No corporate lines of interest here. That's right. We have an unbiased view and all our panellists are free to give their opinions, just like in The Economist. Oh no, that was last week's ad run. But no corporate interest. I promise. And the last one is from Doodster74 from the Netherlands. 
And he says, you want to know everything about F1? Want to know everything about Lewis Hamilton? Well, then this is the place to be. Mr. Apex truly is the best F1 podcast out there. Brackets, if you're a Hamilton fan, <laughs> five-star review, just to make sure you agree with everything the presenter says. Otherwise, you run the risk of being harassed by his Facebook group minions. Matt, I didn't know I had Facebook group minions. Uh, this is how our empire has grown. We now apparently have minions who will do our bidding. Finally. Was that so hard, Universe, to provide me with minions? All I need now is the adoration of the masses and to be surrounded by sycophantic yes-men, and we're there. Good. So if you want to leave us an iTunes review, that would be absolutely fantastic. And I think a flurry of iTunes reviews is one of the major factors in getting yourselves in the iTunes charts. And believe me, it does have an effect when we're up there in the iTunes charts with the big boys. Oh, guys, um, we also have a German journalist lined up because our Dutch contributor there might feel that we have something of a British Lewis Hamilton bias. But if there's any Dutch media or Dutch journalists you think might want to talk to us, we would be interested in getting some of the Hollandish Hollandish um, uh, side of things. Uh, so do let us know. And I suppose I suppose if you know any French journos as well, uh, you can let us know, but they might lose interest after the summer break. Just saying. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. We're also joined by uh, PR man Chris Stevens and our race strategist Alex Van Jean. But first, let's have a look at the Big Dirty News. Big Dirty News. Let's have a chat with our race analyst, Alex Jeansy Van Jean, fresh off the karting track today. Evening. How are we all doing? Um, yeah, had some karting down at Red Lodge today. <clears throat> I had a, as I explained to someone earlier, I had a good, not so good, awesome uh, day today. Um, had some really good fighting, got penalised for something that wasn't my fault, as always. And yeah, just some good fighting up at Red Lodge. It was great fun. Anyone who's a budding carter wants to get into karting around the UK, come and sign up to Cough Cut. Did you beat Carl Power? That's the most important thing. I destroyed him. We had one race together. He was last and I was fifth. So yeah, I destroyed him. It had nothing to do with the really, really bad cart that got binned to the second the race was over. It had nothing to do with that whatsoever. Good. Let the record reflect. It had nothing to do with that whatsoever. We're also joined by PR man and still sometime journalist, Chris Stevens. Hey, Chris, we can actually see you. You've changed your light bulbs. It's worth tuning in. Your fans now will see you on the video. I know. And what a pleasure it is for them to see my beautiful uh, face and uh, my fresh trim as well oh you've had a haircut and i failed to mention it i'm sorry of course the freshly head shorn chris stevens let's talk about the rules of the game though matt uh we're proposing some changes for 2021 lots of crazy ideas coming up i tweeted earlier in the week that i was fully in favor of bringing back refueling in formula one but only for one season and only to remind everyone why we don't have refueling in F1. Why are we talking about refueling again? Well, we're mostly talking about it because Jean Todd, uh, president of the FIA, has decided to say that he thought that might not be a bad idea uh, to address many things, but most particularly the, well, there's just not a polite way to say it. The fact that Formula One cars have gotten rather fat. Well, there you go, Chris. Formula One cars, too heavy. 
yeah, they have been for a while now, haven't they? Ever since the turbo hybrid era uh, started, and that's mainly because of the uh, the weight of the power units, but then also the extra aerodynamics that came in in 2017 just added more kilos onto that as well. But in terms of the refueling, it's a really random thing for Jean Todd to bring up, isn't it? We've kind of been very firmly in the no camp for some time now, and there's really no statistical evidence to suggest that refueling ever helped um, the racing. And I, I think. The, the biggest factor in this debate is that it just massively increases the the danger in the pit lane. And for me, that's enough argument to say it shouldn't come back. Not only are there no statistics to support bringing back refueling, uh, they did a study on it several years ago and decided that the negatives outweighed the positives. And if you were to go back and look at overtakes that happen on track versus in the pit lane, in the refueling era, you would discover that when we got rid of refueling, we doubled the number of overtakes on track the following year. Jeansy, are you a fan of refueling? I'm going to put you on the spot. Yes or no? Where do you stand on the debate? No. The racing was terrible when we had refueling. We had lots of sprint races. It was dash to the, dash to the pits and then try and undercut people in the pits or overcut people in the pits. That's all it was. We hardly saw any racing on track. Yeah, Chris, if people think that talking about tyre strategy and people conserving tyres is boring, wait till you see Crofty sitting there trying to count the seconds that the refuelling rig has been attached and then trying to deduce tactics out of that. I really, really did not enjoy the refuelling era at all. People will say we should bring back refuelling because all we talk about is tyres, but in the refuelling era, all we talked about was fuel and how much fuel was going in. I like the way Jeansy put it, though, how we had a series of sprint races. And I find it's an odd thing how sprint racing, which effectively is what Formula One is, it's a slightly longer sprint race, but how it's got an endurance mentality now. Yeah, well, you know, um, you mentioned weight and you ask, why are we talking about it? Well, there's a reason we're talking about it. And it's related to my very favorite subject, which is tires. And the fact of the matter is that cars that heavy with that much downforce put so much energy into the tires that even someone like Lewis Hamilton is saying with the limited testing, it's very hard to control the thermal degradation that you get. So lighter cars would conversely also give you better tires. But there's more to the tire story I know we'll get to later. Alex, Jeans Van Jean, weigh in. The other thing with regards to refueling, and I thought about this a while ago and someone just reminded me, LGH Dotma, uh, refueling would also go against the cost-saving idea. The whole point of the whole engine, pro- engine uh, philosophy is it's about saving fuel. It's about being efficient. There is nothing efficient about refueling two, three times in a race. And I think whether you are starting a race with 110 kilos of fuel or 40 kilos of fuel or one kilo of fuel, you're always going to be fuel saving. That's just the best way to go about it. Fuel saving isn't new. They've been fuel saving ever since motorsport has been invented in every single motorsport. They fuel save. The thing that drives me nuts is people seem to forget that we just have so much more communication between the teams and the cars in Formula One than we've ever had. So we get more information. These conversations have been going on for decades, but we now only we now hear all the ones that we want to hear um, and some of the ones we don't. Right. So I did mention tires, didn't I? Often. Yes. Okay. The other reason for having lighter cars is better handling. 
And I don't know if you've driven different weight carts there, Jeansy, but I would be curious to to get your impression of how much of a difference, like even you know, forty or fifty kilograms, could make in this in this uh, in this instance. Well, from my own experience, weight makes a massive difference. Um, I mean, if I put it into my terms, which is karting, every ten kilos is three tenths of a second every thirty seconds. Um, I have another calculation per kilo that I'm currently working on, but I haven't got it right yet. Um, but yes lighter cars will get will get faster um racing but um i don't think anyone notices really yeah um, so i think universally I, I, I think... we're actually all against refueling here on this panel i mean chris there are some just some technical reasons the last time we had refueling we didn't have uh, car hybrid engines that could potentially make the car live you know Verstappen made a pretty good job of making a fireball in the pits without a huge great battery stuck in the back of it it's got to be a non-starter but why is it coming from Jean Tot is there come some kind of motivation for him saying this it's just it's weird or do they go well we can't do refueling therefore we've got to look at the tires and hey look hey presto I've got this great new tire idea well I, I think maybe it's uh, to gauge some public opinion I mean we need to throw some ideas out there and if you are say on the the social media team for formula one and you're looking through the comments and 90 percent of them say we need to bring back refueling then is it worth just kind of tossing that out there how would you feel if we if we were to do that um whose team did really really well (laughs) during the refueling years so does he probably remember the refueling years is really great fun because the particular team that he was in charge of was doing really, really well. I'm not saying it's biased towards Ferrari. What I'm saying is he he was going through a purple patch in his career when refueling was there. I do still think we could afford to make the cars a bit lighter, uh, though. I, I feel like you know, they weigh near 900 kilos at the start of a Grand Prix with the fuel loaded up. Uh, and I think that's just a bit too much, especially considering that you know, 10 years ago they were what, 700 kilos odd. So we're kind of going in the wrong direction with that. But in 2021, with a bit less aero, they should lose a bit of weight. But ultimately, the, the power unit is the the ultimate sinker in that. I, I tell you what, Matt, the point I'm getting to now is that we've been doing this show and you and me have been talking about Formula One long enough to see the cycle repeat about three times of people being upset saying their things need changing th- something is terrible either the cars are nearly as slow as gp2 gp2's catching up or we we can't follow we need to change everything and then just as the regulations are settling down just as competition is starting to to get in there they make these changes that that reflect the knee jerk reaction from 3 or 4 years ago I am terrified now that the 2021 regulations are going to give us refueling and tyres that don't wear at all. And then people are going to complain that we have a processional stints, as Alex pointed out earlier. And also, uh, we're going to have an era where we don't, again, don't know what's happening in qualifying. Do you remember the refueling on, on Saturdays? They'd go, and that's the end of a great qualifying session. It looks like... The Benettons have done well, but we don't know. Oh, they're on great form. And then you get to the race and after three laps, you went, oh, no, they just they just didn't have any fuel in. And that was a terrible tactic like it was every time. Yeah. I mean, and this is this is always a problem 
with any, I guess, kind of complicated sport is that you're going to solve the problem by just creating a whole different set of problems. Chris? I think what 2021 has over, say, the last set of regulation changes, for example, is that when they said, we're going to make the cars so much quicker, pretty much everyone said, but then you're going to make the racing worse. We all foresaw it. So far, there don't seem to be too many negative impacts to the changes that they want to make to the cars. My worry with them wanting to move away from high deg tires is that so you so we get races like 2010 where they were they were all pretty much one stoppers. But then what if we were to say get rid of the tire rules? No more if you qualify on this, you have to start with this, and you don't have to use both compounds in in the race. If you think it's quicker to no stop, then then try a no stop. But if you get caught by somebody doing a one stop, it's it'll be pretty much the same, just with one less stop than what we have now, but the same principle. Much to Matt's chagrin. If these regulations for the aero work, tyres won't be a factor anymore anyway. Because if at the moment we lose 45% of downforce when you're following somebody, with the new regs, we're going to lose 5% of downforce. Tyres won't matter. We'll have better racing. As long as we've got better racing because the aero's been sorted out, then the tyres won't matter. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm Matt. I'm I'm so they sorry. Will. I'm so sorry that someone said that to you. Like you must be feeling so bad right now. Well, I mean, you know, far be it from me to just parrot the words of Lewis Hamilton, but he's flat out said that if the tires didn't suffer the kind of thermal degradation they did right now, losing 50% downforce, we would already have better racing, at least amongst cars that were on similar pace. The 2021 regs main brief is to reduce the gap from the front runners to the midfield. And as Braun has stated, that clearly their goal is so that you work hard now, you get two seconds. And under these new rules, you'll simply gain two-tenths instead so that everything is closer. Jeansy looks confused. But Matt, isn't it possible to have tyres that do wear out, so they do have a certain amount of life, but we lose this issue of having to get them exactly in the in the tyre window? And I think the hardest one for teams is that we don't, if you overheat them, they're just done and you can never get the performance back. Surely that's possible. Yeah, it is possible, and uh, Mario Isola, who runs Pirelli, has said that if Formula One will ask us for this, we can certainly deliver. But it might be worth remembering that the entire uh, rapidly degrading tires thing just goes back to a single race in Canada in 2010, where through sheer happenstance, no one being on top of the tires led to a good race. And then Bernie said, hey, we should probably just do that full time. And so that's what they asked Pirelli for. It was not like this was a thought-through, engineered solution to keep racing more interesting in Formula One. All right, let's hear from Jeansy then, Chris. So surely the reason the tyres get overworked at the moment, then overheat when you're following, is because there's reduced downforce, therefore the tyres have to do more of the work. That's why they, that's why they wear out, right? Matt? Uh, they, we have more downforce than we've ever seen. The cars are the fastest they've ever been, and they're also heavier. That's why the, car, the tires wear out. Of course, one of the things Pirelli wanted to work on for the 2019 season was to make tires that, that don't overheat so much in traffic. And the feedback from the Abu Dhabi tire test at the end of last year was very, very positive. But then I don't think we've seen quite the accurate representation in that because it does still seem to be an underlying issue. 
All right, Matt, I tell you what, we have kind of sneakily transitioned into tyres. So we are, we'll talk about this, this proposal, which is going to be that we are going to get rid of tyres completely. Don't worry. It's not going to be a tyre heavy show. We're going to talk some rich energy. We're going to preview the German Grand Prix. And we're also going to talk about reverse grids as well. But, but set, set the seal, see, scene for us, Matt. Uh, why are they now saying we're no longer going to have this? Does that mean the end of Pirelli or does that mean Pirelli get a brief to just make indestructible tyres? I think it means Pirelli gets a brief to make tyres that are easier to find the window on and have uh, more well-defined deltas between probably just two compounds. And you agree or don't agree? I think if changing anything else, that's a brilliant idea. They are changing lots of things, yeah. and I'm, I'm not 100% sure as to whether it will solve a problem that will no longer be there, if you know what I mean. So, I mean, they're also talking about ground effects, as we've been reminded in the chat room. They're just really throwing so much stuff at the wall, it's going to be impossible to tell for years what's working and what's not working. And the number one rule of fault finding is change one thing at a time, substitute one thing at a time. You're so brilliant. And I love it. Chris brought up the Abu Dhabi test, which was done with last year's cars. That's why we didn't see these problems with the tires until we had this year's cars. So if I'm thinking about it from uh, your point of view, which is logical, rational, fault finding, I would say probably we should be testing, we shouldn't make tire changes and car changes simultaneously because we don't know what's going to happen. We should change first one and then the other. So the tires that we have this year with the thinner treads should have really been tested this year to be implemented next year. Here's a question for you. What is the latest we can leave it before deciding to definitely either go to 2021 rule regulations or to continue the regulations we have now? Because if it's let, let's say, for argument's sake, it's six months' notice, which would be good anyway, because it would be nice to have a short lead time into the rules, because that would create uh, an atmosphere where engineers are scrambling at the beginning of the season to try and get the best out of the regulations. But why don't we? Why don't we just have the rest of the season and then start next season, or even a season and a half, and let's just see if the deltas between teams start to come down? Because look at the look at that midfield. It's the closest, most exciting midfield we've seen in years. Red Bull and Ferrari are scrapping it out. At the moment, we've got an anomaly where Mercedes are, are, are managing in certain circumstances to get the best out of their car. But it's, it's not certainly, it's not in every single race. I know, I know Mercedes have been dominating this season, but they lost Austria because the conditions weren't right for them. If it's hot in Germany, they might lose out again. They could well have lost in Bahrain if, uh, if Ferrari had balanced their risk reward better. There are races Ferrari could have won this season. So I, I just don't feel like we need to panic. Can we not just ride these regulations out for a little while? and just see the field naturally bunch up. I think when it comes to the closing up the midfield to the front runners, though, there is just an underlying issue that no amount of time is going to, to put into it. If anything, more time just gives the, the bigger teams more to find and more time to, to spend the, the extra money they have, for example, and use their extra resources. In, in that scenario, you have to step in and, and change something about that in order to bring them closer together. Chris Stevens, one of our longest running panellists here on Missed Apex Podcast and a producer behind the scenes. He's produced a lot of the audio and video that you see and is instrumental in e-radio show. What's going on in Formula E at the moment? Is um, is the e-radio show all wrapped up for the season? Um, we've had um, some 
troubles with e-radio lately. I have had people asking me about it and I can apologize profusely about it, but the new job has really gotten in um, the way. The current plan is to do a season review still because we've had the championship wrapped up. John Eric Vern, the first Formula E double champion, uh, but you, you'll be seeing less of me on the show, unfortunately, but I will absolutely make sure that whoever does replace me is uh, just as informative and absolutely top draw. Uh, E-Radio is not going anywhere and we plan to be back in full gear for season well, six. Well, there you go. You're going to need an absolutely top draw person to replace Chris, even if he says so himself. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris on Racing. Uh, Matt. I'm sorry, that is your allocated time for tyres this episode. Oh, oh, you want like a, you want more like one second more? A second just more. <laughs> Fine, five seconds. Just a casual mention that I happened to bring the topic of tyres up with Pascal Verline when I was talking to him at the uh, last Formula E race in New York. And he mentioned how much easier it was to deal with the Michelins than it was to deal with the Pirellis. And I just, you know, thought I would make a little connection there. That's because Michelin are just better at making tires than Pirelli. As I think that's just a flat out truth of motorsport. Michelin make the best tires. Okay. Well, while we're on the rules, I think we can round off the first half of the show by talking about a, a suggestion, which is not new to Will Buxton, but it's one he made on Twitter. And uh, I, I read it before we came on. It's to do with him watching the W series. And they had a a great little innovation, I think, where they had a non-championship point scoring reverse grid race. In fact, it was a reverse championship order race. So they did uh, round five of the six series championship. And then the next day, they lined everybody up in reverse championship order. So you had uh, the Canadian Gilks starting on pole and you had Chadwick at the back. And I have not caught up with that race yet. But by all accounts, it was fantastic to watch. Now, your pal, Alex Van Gene, your pal, Will Buxton, said, look, it was legitimately good racing. His proposal in full, I think, was, why can't we have a qualifying sprint race on the Saturday, which is in reverse championship order? So at the moment, you'd have Kubica and Russell starting on the grid, and then the Mercedes at the back. You'd have a 20-minute sprint race, and that, that sprint race would decide the starting order for Sunday. How do you feel about that? Uh, do you want to condemn your friend Will, or do you want to publicly to thousands of people, uh, or are you going to are you going to agree with it? In theory, it will be good fun. However, when you have Ferrari customer teams, Mercedes customer teams, they will jump out of the way, like Ocon, not Ocon, who jumped out of the Mercedes way in um, in Monaco. In Monaco, yeah, that was Ocon, yeah. In the oh, okay. well, that, oh, it was yeah. last year. Okay, yeah. fine. But yeah, so you'll have driver, you'll have cars jumping out the way. Um, okay, twenty minutes negates fuel stops and uh, people wanting to look after their tires. I think in theory it's a great idea, and it's a great idea for series that have the same car. I'm not quite certain how that'll work in when you have such a big gap like we do at the moment. I'd, I'd like to see it tried, but I don't think they'll try it. For me, one thing Formula One does right and has always done right is the format of the weekend. Friday, you practice. Saturday, you qualify. Sunday, you race. For me, qualifying, and I think we've all agreed ever since they've tried to change qualifying numerous times that we have the best qualifying format going at the moment. 
for me, reverse grid races do not belong in Formula One. I think they're great devices to get junior drivers into the spirit of wheel-to-wheel combat because it kind of negates the scenario where somebody can just drive off into the distance because they've got the best car. If you've been put into the mid-pack, like in uh, F2, for example, where they have the top eight reverse grid sprint race, then uh, you do have to get your elbows out a little bit and learn wheel-to-wheel combat. That's great for a junior series, but it doesn't belong at the pinnacle of motorsport, which we were always talking about, you know, Formula One being sport versus entertainment. For yeah. me, that's where it crosses the line of, of not being proper sport. Okay. And uh, and I'm, I've certainly been one in the past saying, you know, let's, let's not have gimmicks. It, it ain't as broke as you think. But Matt, I've got a sneaky suspicion you and I are going to agree here. I, I don't think it's that crazy an idea and and I don't think that putting people to the the back of the grid when they're at the front of the championship is is too too much of a we're not we're not uh, like putting a price it's not success ballast because then anyone who gets an advantage also then gets that ballast in the next race what we're doing is we're making overtaking and gaining places far more valuable than simply winning Right now, if you can drive on a racetrack by yourself without having to overtake anyone faster than anyone else, you get to start in pole position every time. And if you have a dominant car, then the order of the race is set, period. It's done with the idea behind the reverse grid. And let's be clear, we're not talking about the specifics here, but the idea is that if I'm leading the championship, I start at the back of a race, and at the end of that race, whatever position I've gotten to is where I start the race tomorrow. It's going to be much more of a challenge and place much more of an emphasis on driver skill where you start yeah. in the race for points. And to be clear, we're not arguing, and I don't think Buxton was either, that the qualifying race would have any points attached to it, but no, it's a way yeah. of keeping the championship more equal across a whole season, even if there is, as there has been this year, a dominant car. So I would um, agree with Chris and Will Buxton here, because the key reason that that we're not going to do this is because qualifying is an exciting format, and I enjoy tuning in to qualifying, and it's actually something I can listen to and enjoy on the radio. I often listen to it while I'm driving, and I like having the practices in the morning because it's kind of, you know, it's just a gentle way to get into Formula One. We get to get little snippets of information, and it's just a a nice pace and build-up. However, if it wasn't for wanting to keep qualifying, I would be happy with just having a straight reverse championship order start every single time because the 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 inherent problem with formula 1 that makes anyone whinge that makes anybody complain is you line the cars up in the fastest car driver combination up front and then decreasingly so on the way back so you are deliberately having a format that doesn't have any overtaking or has less overtaking unless it's jumbled up so the races that we've loved austria was great because everything was kind of jumbled up. And if you're saying that that's a great race because it was jumbled up, then you're advocating things being deliberately jumbled up. And if you then complain, Matt, about uh, races that are pedestrian, you can't then turn around and say that the reverse grid championship idea is a terrible one on principle. You can't complain about both. What I like about it is because it's for qualifying, I find it to be less of a gimmick than many other series employ. I mean, certainly in F2, we see uh, around place eight where it's reversed. 
all sorts of, you know, well, I want to be on pole, so I won't try and overtake the person ahead of me. But because it's championship points and not just places from the previous day's race, I think it's less susceptible to, to gaming, quite frankly. And you have to earn that spot. It's less gimmicky than the groups in Formula E, where the first group generally has a bit of a disadvantage because they're still cleaning the track. Same thing with World Rally. The the leader is at the most disadvantage, as it should be. Well, see, there you go, Chris. I mean, what what is the problem? It's not like uh, it, there's a there's an honor to starting first. In fact, if anything, if you were on pole, you'd be like, man, I need to race well enough to get off pole. I need to be starting mid-pack. I need to take advantage of these pole positions and then the third position in the next race so that I am starting in a prestige position at the back and I get to show how good I am at overtaking cars. One thing I think gets overlooked, though, when you talk about these kind of formats is that you will end up taking cars that should be racing together and putting them with with cars that, that shouldn't normally be racing together. So, for example, if we had that this year, you would see just the top six cars breezing by the midfield pack when they're two seconds a lap quicker than them. And for me, that's not proper racing. And what we've seen in other series that, that do this, you know, world championship level uh, events like uh, World Superbikes, for example, in race one, so you have an incredible battle between two or three guys that then get put into the mid pack. But then no, that- no, no, uh, Chris, Chris, you're confusing. You're confusing two things. You're confusing reversing the grid order from the previous race with no. championship order. No, no, I'm not. I, I'm saying you you would take a, you would take away some some battles um, in there because then you're taking them away and putting them in different places on the grid for the race. So you know, some cars that would have a great battle in in ordinary circumstances are now suddenly too far apart because of this this format for me i don't get that how how are they too far apart because because if you get one guy that gets a break and can can go through cleanly or one guy who gets a little bit unlucky and doesn't overtake three cars in the first corner suddenly they're 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 far apart for the race when they should be having a proper battle say like a red bull versus a mercedes for example but instead they've got a Haas and a racing point stuck in 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 between them for me the, the the guys they should be together on the racing grid Oh, you mean like when your teammate crashes and everyone behind is on their hot lap and so both you and your teammate get through and nobody else does because they can't complete their lap? That's completely exactly the same thing, isn't it? Matt, you know when you do that kind of thing, not everyone knows what you're talking about. What are you talking about? I'm talking about Kevin Magnuson, of course, in qualifying, crashing and killing everybody's hot lap and leaving himself in 10th place, even though he wasn't nearly fast enough to actually get through. It's happened other times before. Look, these sorts of things, I get a good start, you don't, so I get ahead. They happen in regular qualifying the way it is now. People get out, they they don't make the finish line in time to set their last lap. It, it just, it's the same thing in a different format. Okay, so first point of two, are you accusing Magnuson of crashing on purpose? No, it happens. Okay, fine. I, okay. Moving on, the point that I like that Chris makes is, yes, you'll have faster cars coming through the field at two seconds a lap quicker. I actually think that'll end up making a mockery of the midfield teams. It's bad enough they they look like they're slower behind on race pace, but to actually see that physically of a Mercedes blasting past a Williams, blasting past a racing point, blasting past a a uh, Alfa Romeo. I've got racing point right and Sauber wrong. Anyway, I think that actually makes them look worse when they just blast past them and then they're fighting amongst themselves anyway. 
But do we not get that whenever someone gets a grid penalty and has to start at the back in a race? I mean, it's not something we haven't already seen. And the fact of the matter is, if the race length is thought through clearly, it would be difficult, somewhere between difficult and impossible for anyone starting at the back to get all the way to the front. I mean, you're just you're just chucking up things because you got to chuck up things at this point. And when they get a grid penalty, we see them come through and it actually reminds us how much faster the front cars actually are than the cars at the back. Chris, all I'm saying is I don't think we should dismiss it just on grounds of, oh, that's uh, that's not how it's done. And oh, no, that that's a little bit silly. I don't think this idea is as stupid as sprinklers. I don't think this idea is even as gimmicky as DRS. I think you are still, if you did this, and no one's ever going to do it, but if you did this, you would still be having competition. And instead of just being it would be less about the out-and-out fastest car. It would make the driver so much more key. It would make the skill of getting through the pack and being wheel-to-wheel much more prevalent. It would be more about the racing. Come on, at least give me, in theory, there's that. I I agree it's it's less gimmicky than DRS, but I hate DRS and wish it wasn't <laughs> a thing. Um, and uh, as, as, as many other things, but Formula One doesn't need, shouldn't need these kind of, of things. You know, it's supposed to be kind of pure competition where you reward. Oh, the guys. It's, oh, it's pure. Okay, well let's um let's get rid of these hybrid engines then. Yeah, let's uh let's get rid of of suspension. Let's get rid. Let's just have them running on those old style big bicycle wheel style things. Let's have let's bring it back to pure racing, Chris. Let's never let's never change anything. What is what is unpure about the current cars? I think your point might be so wrong, uh, it's not even right. So I don't even have an answer. I don't even have an answer to it. All right, uh, Matt, I think it's time to move on. Uh, We're going to talk about some business stuff. Uh, We're going to talk about some rich energy. And we're going to look forward to the German Grand Prix. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So, the completely pure and not at all deliberate sparks 
uh, underneath the cars are not the only lightning bolts we're seeing, are they, Matt? Uh, because rich energy is going to change to lightning volts. Or I, I, my position on rich energy is that I think I'm over it. I think unless something major happens, I think the the CEO William Story is pretty much out of the picture right now. He is in control of the Twitter account and nothing else. So I'm getting to the point that I'm pretty much exhausted with it. And I think the the entity formerly known as Rich Energy is going to have to come up with a different name and a, a different logo. And it will continue. The Haas logo will change and we'll all pretend that, that William's story doesn't exist. Yeah, you know how much I love a good complex business story. But I have to admit that I may have been defeated by this one. So as far as we know, right now, we have a lawsuit or potential lawsuit from Haas for their money from whatever entity it is now, Lightning Volt or not. We also have one uh, apparently from Red Bull about the slogan for the former Rich Energy. Forget the wings. Rich Energy gives you horns. Slogan, that would be the one. And then, of course, we have White Bikes, whose logo was now officially stolen because the court says it was stolen, uh, has won a judgment um, for, I believe, $45,000 and apparently access to their sales figures. And because that has not yet been paid, apparently they are filing or will file winding up a petition with the court at some point, either now or in the very near future. And I believe that William Story, who was the CEO who precipitated all of this by claiming to terminate the Haas sponsorship agreement, uh, his lawyers have apparently also quit representing him for undisclosed but thoroughly imaginable reasons. I sort of half in my head last last episode said that we'd be quite happy to have William Story on here. Uh, I don't think so anymore. I think, I think it's gone beyond that point, hasn't it? I find their social media strategy, frankly, disgusting, I think is the right word for it. The way they just go out and attack is ridiculous. And not least the Haas F1 team itself for being being too slow i i find it utterly ridiculous uh, can we use the word strategy in this instance chris i mean <laughs> no i mean it is entirely plausible isn't it that this is just a brilliant strategy to to get a whole load of retweets and let's face it it works because everyone shares all their stuff yeah I, I suppose so and so we have a new company now right lightning volt which I, I don't know who picked that name out of the hat, but it happens to be the exact same brand. Uh, one of our contributors sent to us on Twitter, uh, Andrew Ragsdale, I believe, that Steven Seagal has already marketed. So it's it, that is a name that already exists as an energy drink. And you should all, all of you probably go find the YouTube commercial for it because, oh my. Search Steven Seagal Lightning Vault and uh, you will see just an incredible advert and I, I want some of this, and I hope they are tying in with Steven Seagal. It was fantastic. Oh, it's all genius. And now, apparently, there's even more controversy as this other mysterious group, the BDG group, was apparently in control of what is now Lightning Bolt and not the investors. And according to their website, um, which this has been published several places, they are, quote, UK's leading unlicensed insolvency practitioners. 
we offer a genuine alternative to our clients, which will give you a clean bill of health going forward. Your reputation will be intact and we'll deal with all the outstanding issues, which I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but this just confuses me even more. So the biggest problem I've got out of all of this is that I'm now bored of running the at poor energy Twitter account because I just I don't think there's anything left to to parody and I so we're we're done I think until <laughs> I don't I don't want to encourage the the rich energy thing anymore Chris wait you were the one behind poor energy yeah I mean I did retweet quite a lot of my stuff from that account so that should that probably should have given it away that's brand new information. <laughs> All right. I, I think I want to move on from this. Thank you very much for joining me. My esteemed panel of Matt PT55, Matt Trumpets over there. He's a real life trumpet player and you can follow him at Matt PT55 and his wife at A Weaver Writes on Twitter. If you buy books from her, it directly profits Matt and helps him have his dream of having a Ferrari. In fact, um, what is the horsepower of the car you're thinking about, Matt? Because it's not very woke. It's not very Im- environmental. Well, it's around 330, but... You know. Oh, that's quite conservative for an American car, I suppose. I think one of our family cars, Jeans, is about 75 brake horsepower. Well, I got to drive Ryan Sedgwick's 325 horsepower Porsche, came in yesterday, and I giggled every time I touched the throttle and, and didn't go very fast through tunnels at all. I had great fun. Within the, the speed limits, of course. Chris? So Matt Sedan is going to have more power than that Porsche. Yeah, that's crazy. But it'll be lighter. And as we keep talking about, lighter is better, apparently. Alex Van Jean, someone who has become a lot lighter and then therefore has become better at karting. Uh, you run the Covcart karting series. You can search for Covcart. Uh, they've just been racing at Red Lodge in Cambridgeshire. But there's uh, another karting event coming up. I would say an objectively better karting event where our listeners can come and join us. Jeansy, are you pumped? September 21st, Buckmore Park. It's going to be great fun. I love Buckmore. Um, it was great fun at Wright House. Um, and I have, and me and Carl have already been talking about how you are going to continue to try and push this rivalry between me and him. And I, I fear me and him will be in every single race again together, side by side on the grid. It's a completely random draw. So, you know, you, you, you come out where you come out. And in fact, um, I will make sure that if you book with your friend, you know, that you are racing your friend at least a couple of times. But the format, Chris, which works pretty well, is that you have these random uh, grids for your first three races, but all your grid positions will equal out to everybody else's grid positions added up. And then you have a final where you'll end up with people in your skill bracket. It's about as random as Formula One was when there was refueling. I love the format we have for this karting event. It just works so well. We've had two incredible events lately where we have done this and it's just provided awesome racing and you can you know check out the highlights from the rye house round to if you're kind of umming and ahhing about it see what you're potentially missing out on yeah if you go to mistapexpodcast.com forward slash karting there's a link to the video there you can buy your ticket directly from there i believe at the time of broadcast there is three or four spots left and uh, I'll be on comms as well for the for the day as well. And then, of course, oh, yeah. we're doing the recording the next day as well for the Singapore Grand Prix. Oh, yes, of course. Yes, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, the, we're all staying in local hotels. You can 
email me spannersready at gmail.com. I'll give you some more information about what we're doing. But we are basically hanging one on in the Buckmore Park bar and then hanging one on in a hotel bar as well. The next morning when we eventually surface, we'll go back to Buckmore and we're going to watch the Singapore Grand Prix in one of their conference rooms and record uh, a live uh, a live session. So if you're tempted, Miss Apex podcast dot com forward slash karting hello to the live stream you can find them by going on youtube and searching for missed apex podcast on there all right chris let's talk silly season driver rumors matthew carter came on here and said that he heard from a no in fact what he did was he said i heard from and then you could see his mouth start to say the name of the person he was talking to. And then he realized that would be a very bad thing to say and changed it to sources. And if you go back and watch the video, it's very clear that he very nearly said who it was. And he did tell us afterwards and it seemed like super solid. And I was like, oh, wow. OK, but that doesn't mean that if some situation comes up, the Ocon can't jump into another seat. And that is the rumour at the moment is that Haas have had enough with Roman Grosjean and they're looking at, at Ocon to go in there. So firstly, how credible do we think it is? And secondly, I mean, Grosjean, he can't blame anyone but himself. I think it's a possibility. Um, I think it's more likely, pers- personally, I think it's more likely than him going to Mercedes next season. I, I know we have this, you know, good source, but I cannot fathom why Mercedes would want to shake up this winning formula. Uh, unless there's something I'm missing here, but people are obviously going to be asking, why is this Mercedes affiliated driver going to drive for a Ferrari customer team? And Mercedes have openly said, we will you know, release him from the contract. If it means that he will uh, be able to get a drive in formula one again. Grosjean leaving, or Gro- leaving, Grosjean most likely going to be kicked out of Haas because why wouldn't you kick him out because he's rubbish, um, gives gives Mercedes a bit of a help because they want Ocon in a race. They might even loan him to to Haas um, and then keep him in for another season. Or you never know, Bottas could end up there because they might not want to leave Bottas without a drive. It's so bizarre to see how far Grosjean has fallen, isn't it? Do you remember when he came back to Formula One in in 2012 and initially before the incidents, you know, was having a a brilliant return. And then in 2013, he was just on podium after podium after podium. And ever since then, it's just all gone downhill, which I find quite surprising. All right. Before we continue this chat room, help us out. I want to know the name of the, the age of the oldest kids of... Roman Grosjean, Sebastian Vettel, Kimi Raikkonen. Who else is a dad on the grid? Mass has gone now. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think. Is, is K-Mag, has he had a kid recently? I'm not sure. I don't think he has. But I have had a baby and babies are terrible. And even if you're rich and you've got staff to look after your kids, they take an awful emotional drain. And I know drivers have been on the record and say it doesn't make a difference. But I mean, I'll go to Matt because, in fact, Matt and Jeansy, because your parents, Jeansy, it's, it's got to make a difference. Once you've got a terrible, awful, tiny human being in your house, it's, it's got to affect your racing. And like when they get to a certain age where they're not terrible anymore, like four or five, maybe you can pick it up. And that's, that explains Kimi Raikkonen's resurgence this season. The second the visor goes down, nothing else matters. I just don't I, believe I, it. I, I, I don't think about anything else other than the next corner or the person in front of me 
when my visor goes down. I don't sit in the car and think about Phoebe starting school in September or what's going on. I don't think about any of that kind of stuff. I, I don't believe it slows you down, um, especially because they've got all the help. I've, uh, to be fair, I'm having my best ever season of racing and I have two kids and I'm knackered all the time. Yeah, but Phil Pot would argue that that is a very faint praise of this season, given your previous terrible kind. <laughs> yeah, that's Brad for you. Matt. Yeah, and I was going to say exactly how much sleep have you lost and how much not karting have you done thanks to your small human. And I know these are drivers with people to help them. But at the end of the day, if you're in the house and the small human is in the house, you're going to wind up not achieving all of your objectives because that's just simply the way they are. Yeah. And, you know, let's add Rosberg to that list as well, because he started a family and he just completely gave up on Formula One. I, I, I get what you're saying, Gene Z, but I think at that level where the margins are so small, you've got to look at the correlation. Look at look at Vettel's kind of he's got kids now as well, hasn't he? Or is he? Has he? Yeah, yes, he's a dad. Grosjean's a dad. Vettel's suffering terrible form when it comes to wheel-to-wheel stuff. Grosjean has just completely fallen apart. He wiped his own teammate out and he couldn't get out of the pit lane without, you know, turning into, you know, a Jenga blocks impression coming out of the Silverstone pit lane and, and Raikkonen as well. So I don't know. I, I just can't see that it doesn't make a difference. But go on, Jeansy. It's their job. They get allowances for what they're doing because it's their job okay I, wait, wait a minute they, they have they they probably have less responsibility when it comes to their kids they're probably not even with their kids because they're spending most of their time traveling they're not with their kids it's in your head you change and i was definitely worse at my job when i had kids uh, to the point that my line manager would go look if you need to nap just nap and i would find like the top of articulated lorries and i would go and just curl up where i thought no one could see me and uh you know hopefully find a lorry that was soft enough so that if i rolled i would still stay stay in the middle chris do we give any credence to to the rumors yes or no let's predict after the summer break is Ocon going to be in a huss i don't think after the summer break um i i can't really see that happening because there's going to be all sorts of contractual issues involved in it which i know given the recent form of the driver market how vicious it's become that really contracts don't mean all that much anymore but uh, i i can't see it happening for for 2020 though whole different story all right cool let's talk some business matt uh, what, what we're hearing in the financial markets is that mercedes have lost a lot of money they're gonna quit uh, Formula One, because they're out of pennies. Lewis Hamilton is going to go to Ferrari and win his seventh world championship in red. Am I am I reading the tea leaves correctly? Yeah, I think you're pretty much reading the tea leaves correctly. There are some vaguely worrying signs for Mercedes, but a lot of this particular loss is down to the event known uh, catastrophically as Dieselgate which has implicated, I believe, pretty much every major car manufacturer that made diesels at this point. Um, And so they've suffered a rather large loss for the second quarter running. Uh, Some of it is down to dropped sales. Um, And then they've also got a production bottleneck that they are trying to work out um, for some of their more popular cars. So it's not a direct thing that will immediately, we're not going to see Mercedes leave next season, but they do have a new CEO And anytime you see someone who spends stupid amounts of money being successful at a thing, suddenly not making stupid amounts of money, you know, I think it's an easy clickbait kind of a headline, but also worth considering when we're talking about no new manufacturers want to join and stuff like that. This is the flip side of that argument. 
what happens if we have another 2008 where the car company says we can't afford to do this because we have all these other employees at our regular factories with regular jobs. And and it's something to pay attention to going forward is what I would say. Okay. Well, I don't have anything to add to that and I'm glad it's finished. So thank you. I know people appreciate that kind of thing because if you're not on, we tend not to address the business side unless Joe Saywood is on, which he will be tomorrow at 2 p.m. BST. That's GMT plus one. And he is going to be with me answering questions from Reddit. That's right. The lovely folk at Reddit, an organization that I've always said are fantastic and brilliant. And it's not at all scary and weird and hostile on Reddit forums. Uh, I am more than happy to put my hand up and say it's because I simply don't understand how it works. However, the great uh, moderators over at, I think this is how it works, r slash Formula One have been in touch and uh, we have a pinned AMA. Is that the term, Matt? AMA. Ask me anything. Uh, That is correct. Yeah, so it's pinned to the top of r slash Formula One. If you go over there, you can add to the questions and they are going to do a vote and pick which questions I'm going to ask Joe tomorrow. So that is inside F1 in association with the Formula One subreddit. I think I said all the terms correctly there. Guys, we got accused last week quite heavily of being a ham podcast. Can you believe it, Jeansy? A ham podcast? Us? Yes, me completely, definitely. So, 100%. so we do have... No, we do, do not. Yeah. No, the problem is, is me and you are both Hamilton fans. To be fair, well, I don't I think anyone else on the show okay, is really a as much a Hamilton fans as we are. No, it is I, and, and, I, and I fully admit that. The problem is, is it's difficult not to talk glowingly of Lewis at the moment because what's he done wrong to gain anything to say against him? And to be fair, when he ever does do anything wrong, I'm the first person to have a go at him because I expect more from him. I mean, Chris, I mean, to be fair, when he was uh, in Austria hitting all the curbs, I did come on here and say, I think he cost himself the chance of the win because had he not needed to pit for the nose, he would have had the same tyre advantage as Verstappen and would arguably have been ahead of Verstappen and, and taken that race win. But he threw that away and we called him on it. My main issue is if you swapped in a less, uh, d- d- what do you call it, a divisive driver, into the situation that Lewis Hamilton is in, dominating the championship, dominating his teammate, winning so many titles. If we, if Grosjean was doing that and we just turned around and didn't praise him, we'd be in a funny position. We call it like we see it and that's the only way we can do and we necessarily call people out on the things they do wrong when they do things wrong. What I love is you know, reading the comments that say Lewis is only winning all these races because he's got the best car, which I know we have talked about extensively on these shows and he only has these accolades because of Mercedes. It's like before the turbo hybrid era didn't happen for these people. Like Lewis Hamilton has always been one of Formula One's super mega hyperstars ever since he arrived. Mm-hmm. Not least because he almost won the title in his rookie season, for goodness sake. Against a two-time world champion as well. So what I will ask the people who uh, who say that we are very favourable towards Hamilton, I would say I agree that on the whole we have said more nice things than bad about Lewis Hamilton. I think a fair judging point, though, Chris, would be 
when Hamilton starts binning it, when he starts being off pace, when he starts getting challenged and beaten by a teammate, see our reaction then, because I promise you, the Lewis Hamilton fans on this podcast will be angrier than anyone. I, I love as well the comments that say, oh, Lewis Hamilton can't overtake. It's like just what there are, there are two videos on YouTube. One of them may have been taken down, actually, but there are two videos on YouTube that are about 10 to 15 minutes long each that are just compilations of Lewis Hamilton overtakes from from uh, 06 and actually even earlier, like back in his Formula 3 days to uh, about 2012, I think. If you don't look at that and then think Lewis Hamilton is one of the best overtakers in Formula 1, mm-hmm. then there's just seriously something wrong with you. Yeah, and uh, well, you know, the, 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 the dominance of the Mercedes team, and it is dominance, Mercedes have dominated the championship, does give a, a slight mask to what Lewis Hamilton is doing. I think he's doing more than he is perhaps getting credit for. And we are going to really anger some people in the summer because Alex and Ryan Sedgwick have been working on a League of Justice where it's kind of a League of Justice for the car. So it's not a League of Justice for the driver. We're basically going to try and adjust the championships over the last three years so that the car could get the best out of it. So we're going to put equal drivers in the cars and see how it shakes out and and i hope loads of debate falls out of that i hope people tell us that we're wrong or right or ridiculous or best case scenario tell us why we're wrong and allow us to reform and tweak it but we have a a spreadsheet monster and a stats monster in the form of ryan sedgwick so i'm looking forward to the thought exercise over the summer break All right, Matt, let's just have a quick look ahead to Germany. You conf- you confused me a little bit in the intro because I, in my head, equate hot weather with bad for Mercedes, good for Ferrari. And the reason I think that is because I think that Mercedes play pretty fast and loose with their cooling. So that's point one. So I think if they're surprised by a hot weekend like they were in Austria, then they they deliberately run that line, don't they? So they they, they know this is a known issue. They want the maximum performance, so they run as little cooling as they can. Yeah, and I get what you're talking. You're talking about the whole package. I was thinking only in terms of tires. Of and this year, Ferrari has has suffered a bit. And uh, actually, if I'm correct in remembering this, I believe Mercedes is bringing a fairly large update package to Hockenheim. And really, if I was being correct about it, looking at the evidence from Austria, I'd have to say Red Bull might be the sleeper if it's super hot and there's no rain. But Mercedes uh, is bringing a a huge update. Supposedly, it's due for this race, which supposedly is going to cure this cooling um, issue. And just in time as well, because we are due for some very hot races before the the summer break. Um, So this could be a complete turning table with, you know, all of our top guys bringing the updates we're not really going to know how that's all going to play out until the race all right then matt the 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 other thing that makes me think that it will be ferrari if the temperatures are hot is because mercedes seem to have an inherent advantage when it's cool so rather than struggling in the heat when it's cooler the mercedes just has the downforce to get the tires working and the other teams don't seem to Yeah, I think that's a very good uh, way to put it. Mercedes can get the tires into the window when it's cooler, probably better than any other team on the grid right now. All right. So what are you predicting for the tires? I think in in the British Grand Prix, we thought it was going to be an impossible 
uh, one stop. I suppose the safety car helped that a little bit. But I suspect that Hamilton was probably going for a one stop anyway. What do we think is going to happen in Germany? Yeah, well, I think in Germany, it will be a one stop. I think you'll see the top teams try and go medium hard by using the medium to get through on Q2. That's sort of standard. Um, could be mixed up by the rain or it could be mixed up by a team, say a McLaren or a Renault or a Haas being fast. Or if we have earlier rain track, Evolution may, might require them to go back out on softs and set that time on the softs. It's really the only thing I could see going wrong, except for maybe Gasly will be on the sauce if Red Bull want to split strategy from the start. Excellent. Really, really looking forward to it. I tell you what I did, Matt. I uh, I sat with my boy because he missed the British Grand Prix. We sat and watched the 11-minute highlight package on Sky and condensed down like that. I mean, I, even even at full length, it was a good Grand Prix, but condensed down like that, it really highlights what a treat we had last week. Surely we can't possibly we cannot possibly have three exciting formula one races in a row well you know i haven't run the numbers on exciting races in a row historically but you know much like coin flips it's entirely possible and i sure hope we get one because uh i think last uh race we had the best race of the season so far some people might say Austria, but for me uh the british grand prix was the the best race just because it was such a to and fro battle between a lot of cars rather than one hunting down some slower ones. But uh, um, I think Germany should be a good, good track. People, I, I know this week the comments are going to be filled on the Formula One channels of, oh, the old Hockenheim ring was so much better, but I love the new Hockenheim uh, track. Well, it's not even new anymore, but the newer uh, version of it because it provides great racing. And uh, last year's race, anything to, to go by. Uh, on that it was uh really entertaining before the rain uh, came and it, it does set up good racing so i think we're in for a good one why don't we have any rain anymore chris why don't we have any uh, rainy formula one races uh because uh climate change um that's the best i can come up with or it could be matt that people keep calendaring things into places where they're avoiding the rainy season. And on the one hand, you can see where that makes complete sense in Japan, but it does feel like we've kind of deliberately fostered wet races out of F1. Yeah, I mean, I think the teams generally prefer not to have wet races because they just get more expensive overall. Okay, good. Well, it's either that or chemtrails. Anyway, uh, let's get our predictions for the Grand Prix. I predict that we will not see Valtteri Bottas outrace Lewis Hamilton. So that's not to say he won't nick a win here or there, but I think every time we see those two cars on track, we're going to see that it's either Hamilton from behind harassing him or it's Hamilton in front disappearing off into the distance. I think that's my predictions uh, for this race and the rest of the season. Chris, have you got any prediction for the German Grand Prix? What should we be looking out for? A continuation, perhaps, of the Leclerc-Verstappen battle. Yeah, I think 1-2, we're going to pretty solidly nail down on Hamilton and Bottas. Um, I think spot number three will be taken up by Leclerc once again. Uh, if we go back to the 2018 races, it was one of the events where the Ferrari's top speed advantage really played out, um, especially in qualifying. So 
I think we will see an element of that here unless Red Bull can do something nice with the strategy again. Uh, in the midfield, uh, I think McLaren might take a bit of a hit because there are uh, a lot more low-speed corners around um, Hockenheim than that's Silverstone, for example. You know, you're going from one of the quickest tracks to one of the slowest in terms of the corners. So we might see a bit of a, a shake-up around there. It could be good for, say, like the Toro Rossos or the, uh, or the racing points. Okay, to be absolutely clear, chemtrails aren't a thing. That was a joke person in the in the chat room there. Uh, Matt, have you got a prediction for us for the German Grand Prix? Uh, Michael Distelhoff said uh, Vettel to hit the same corner this year. That's his prediction. Any predictions for us? Oh, and Sam Watley, Norris to get a top six. I do not. That's a good bet nearly every weekend, actually. Yeah, I think if we're going, if you're making bets for general best of the rest, Signs or Norris is always going to be the percentage play here from here on out, regardless of what Carter said about his personal feelings about Renault. Um, I'm surprised everyone's overlooking Max because I was looking in Silverstone and honestly, I don't see that much difference uh, lap time wise right now between the Ferrari and the Red Bull. And I think the Red Bull might be better overall uh, with its tires and they're willing to blow their engine up to get a result. And I don't think Ferrari is. So I would, I would chuck Max in for a podium for sure. I, I also think that we could perhaps start seeing Bottas be a lot more aggressive because I think he's kind of got nothing to lose now. And we saw him really get his elbows out a couple of races ago. And I think it will have hurt him. The British Grand Prix will have hurt him. He definitely thinks that the safety car robbed him of of that win. He feels like he defended robustly enough uh, to to fend off Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton was quite generous in two corners, I think, uh, in that first sixteen laps. But I could see that that relationship between th- the two of them getting punchy, especially if Bottas knows he's on the way out, uh, which he will now, thanks to our friend Mister Carter. We'll see. Matt, we've got uh, an award that we give even on news shows uh, to reward the fine comments we get in our live chat room. An incredibly busy chat room. Again, thank you for joining us. You can join them by going to YouTube and searching for Missed Apex Podcast. You can subscribe there. There is the option to have an alert if you click the little bell. It does, believe it or not, help us if you click like and if you make comments. It definitely makes the video more prominent. And to those people who jump on and do an immediate thumbs down, that is also a mark of kudos for us as well. That makes us seem proper legit when we've got 40 thumbs downs on a video. It means you care. So thanks for caring. But Matt, who is the winner of this week's Comment of the Week? Well, as you've asked, I've got exactly four candidates. Still too many, but okay. It's fine. Our friend Sam Watley. Matt can go longer on tires than Perez. You can go longer on tires than a mouse who's been genetically engineered to have the longest tail in the world could hang down from a tree if it was hanging from its tail that it was slowly unwinding. We've got Merkman with Gene Z business card. I can create a racing incident before you. He is, and since he's kind of jumped off, we can talk about him because he's gone. He's involved in an awful lot of incidents that aren't his fault. Makes a lot of contact in karting. 
I think I'm going to have to get extra insurance before this next round of our carding. Oops, here he comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't talk about it again. Okay, just go to the next comment. Um, uh, With regards to refueling and the news, Phil C. says simply gaslighting. Okay. Gaslighting. A pun on ghastly. Thank you. Although uh, I think think things could get a tiny bit better. I think Red Bull are aware that it's going to be hurting their brand to have Gasly that far back. If they've left him alone to do bad setups in the past, I don't think it's going to happen again. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they make more of an effort to equalize those cars because he's not a threat to Verstappen, but having him that far back beyond his lack of ability, there's more going on than just him being that much slower. That's got to hurt Red Bull as well. Yeah, and then we have Hellyanomi666 regarding the Haas situation with Rich Energy. Gene's rolling in his grave, and he's not dead yet. Oh, right, okay. It took me a little while, but we've got to go with Sam Watley, I think. Done. So this week's winner, Sam Watley. Matt can go longer on tires than Perez. Comment of the week. Feel free to add that to your Twitter bio. You can follow the show on Twitter at MissedApexF1 or you can find us on Facebook with our Facebook group by searching for Missed Apex Podcast. Follow the panel, Matt at MattPT55, Chris at ChrisOnRacing, Alex Van Jean by searching for Alex Van Jean and you can follow me by searching for at SpannersReady. I love getting your email, so do feel free to get in touch. SpannersReady at gmail.com. We'll be back in the shed tomorrow at 2 o'clock to be speaking to Joe Sayward inside F1 in association with r slash Formula One on Reddit, who have set up a pinned post and an Ask Me Anything. Go over to Reddit and r slash Formula One to join in on that. Until I see you again, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. Thanks for listening to Missed Apex Podcast. If you're enjoying what we're doing, please consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. Me and Matt do a patron-only podcast that focuses a little bit more on me and Matt, but we do talk some F1 occasionally as well. We've got a wonderful Slack group community for our patrons too, and you'll always be the first to know when we've got an event coming up. In addition, you can also get an ad-free audio feed that you can add to your podcast player. So please consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash missed apex. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.